There you go. Four punch, five punch, six punch combination. Body shot, body shot. Bang, 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 bang. Telling him not to counter punch. Hello, fight fans, and welcome back to another episode of the Fight City Podcast. I'm your host, Alden Kodash, and I'm going to be joined by Jeff Fuss today. How are you today, Jess? Jeff? Oh, I'm great. Yeah. Pretty good fight last night. Several of them, really. It was very surprising, given the fact that a lot of the the, the notion going in was that this is a very underwhelming undercard, and the main event had a lot to live up to, but you know we had plenty of entertainment throughout. I always view at this point any card with Sebastian Fendora on it has to be somewhat fun. Yeah, I mean he's just fun to look at. I mean in, in a non creepy, uh, just <laughs> don't want to be offensive to his physical freakish uh, physicality, but but yeah, I mean you don't always see a 154 pound six foot six fighter. Or person for that matter these days i would say with the way he made uh ahmed look uh he just sebastian just you know towered over him seeing the difference in height when they were standing in the ring i was like Ooh. well he is the towering inferno but <laughs> but anyways let's go on to the first fight of the action of the pay-per-view attraction we had eduardo ramirez with a picturesque right hook knockout of former title challenger Miguel Flores knocking him out in the fifth round with one right hook. He becomes uh, the mandatory at 126 for Leo Santa Cruz's WBA championship. Um, you know, if title eliminators mean what they should, he won one last night. Ramirez, you know, he commits like he commits to his punches like a man who has a ton of confidence in his punching power. I mean, he has holes in his defense. He doesn't sh- throw the shortest punches in the world. Yet he punches uh, like a man with vicious intent. It paid off last night. What did you make of that performance? Uh, seeing that hook and just the way he floored his opponent, you know, I think that matchup with Leo Santa Cruz, especially Leo Santa Cruz taking that devastating loss to Javante Davis, as uh, a great matchup to put him back into the boxing mix. Those two should make for a fun fight because we all know Leo Santa Cruz, uh, you know, he comes to fight like he's a dog. And yeah. so, you know, I say the same. I'm looking forward to that. If that does, like you said, if the Eliminator actually means something, if they can pull that off, that'd be fun. That'd just be a fun night. Yeah, I mean, Leo Santa Cruz, uh, you know, I think he was pushing it, fighting at 130. Of course, when he fought Tank Davis, he was fighting for a 130 and 135-pound title. Uh, I think he's right in his natural habitat at 126, but he'd still be in against a big puncher, and that would be interesting. He was also in attendance last night. Uh, I'm not sure if Eduardo Ramirez was the first thing on his mind, but uh, I mean, he might be prompted to face him sometime next year. We'll see. The next fight of the card, we had Jose Cito Lopez stopping Francisco Santana in the 10th round. Uh, and, you know, Lopez, five years ago when he was stopped by Andre Berto, he was really viewed as a trial horse, uh, a gatekeeper. But it really hid the fact that this guy hits like a bull. I mean, Santana's a guy who hardly budged under Jared Hurd's firepower in January this year until late in the fight when he finally went down. A guy who went the distance with Jermel Charlo, who's the hardest puncher at 154 by by far, in my opinion. And uh, Lopez had him down in the opening seconds. You know, uh, 
it's it's hard to see years back when he was uh, used as an opponent or a stepping stone against the likes of Canelo, Maidana, and Andre Berto. But you know, this guy's uh he's an interesting commodity at 147. I have to say, his body work last night, you could just feel those punches. Um, yeah. by every time he just threw any hook right to the kidney or to the liver, Santana felt it, especially in that opening round. So I'm just like, this guy has some real pop. You know, I wonder where he keeps it. But he is a workhorse, uh, just always putting that pressure on him. And there are times where I'm like, you know what, if he could get Santana out there sooner rather than later, I don't know why he didn't go for it necessarily, but – I think it's, it's, it's sad that, like, he was being used as an opponent for so long because he – but then again, he's also 36. So I wonder how much is left in his tank. Yeah, I think the the work with Robert Garcia is really helping to bring the best out of him. You know, we almost got the same impression years back from Marcos Maidana before he t- linked up with Robert Garcia and, and turned into a, a major commodity at 147 with his upset victory over Adrian Broner and some of his great efforts against Floyd. Uh you know, I think Jose Cito Lopez, we're kind of seeing a renaissance in his career and his victory or excuse me, his his mini victory and having Keith Thurman in so much trouble uh, a year, a year ago or so, maybe two years ago. Now that I think of it, uh, there's no fluke. I mean, this guy can punch and I hope to see him in against uh, better opposition in the future at 147. Yeah, I say sooner than later because I mean, 36. You know, he's pushing it. He's on the he's on the back end of his career now. And it, I mean, if he's still coming out like that, especially under the tutelage of Robert Garcia, you know, he still has a couple of fights left in him that could be a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, yeah. Uh, speaking of guys with not much left in the tank, Francisco Santana has been a tough, tough fighter. Didn't deserve what he got coming to him late last night by his corner or by referee Neil Young. Uh, really a horrendous stoppage on multiple accounts. Many on social media were rightly disturbed by uh, both the corner and the ref's lack of prompt action. You know, of course, Brian Kenny, but <laughs> except, of course, Brian Kenny. Uh, I don't know why he uh, was on the defensive for the referee. You know, I was trained as a referee, I'm an amateur referee, uh, to not rely on all these, you know, walk here, walk to me. I mean, to some extent, maybe. But, you know, we're not physicians in there giving a full medical examination. We have to make uh, a prompt judgment call. And it seemed like the referee was giving uh, every excuse, every justification to let the fight keep going when really everyone was able to see that this guy had nothing left. I was going to say, I would have to, you know, I have to go off of your judgment call because I'm not trained as a referee. But I, yeah, it seemed like, you know, the lateral movement, step here, step there. I was like, I see the ref wanting to give Santana the opportunity. Uh, but at some point, like, when is enough enough? Because the guy was just taking abuse. He was just a punching bag at some point. Yeah, the way he stumbled back to his corner at the end of the ninth round, you know, I, I, if the referee, if I was the referee and I saw that, fight's over right there. The cornerman had to. That, that was really criminal what happened last night. Francisco Santana, I really hope he's okay. Uh, you know, the way he went down in the 10th round and was touching his face gave me some uh, eerie flashbacks of Gerald McClellan against Nigel Ben. I, I just don't like to see guys that are taking that kind of unnecessary punishment. And uh, <laughs> maybe we can go on to the next topic before I get too emotional. But uh, yeah, it was it was really, really a shame to, to see that kind of uh, lack of... Uh, proactive approach from the referee and the cornerman last night. I would say 2019 and 2020 for the, you know, the deaths and the hospitalizations, you think it would be a lesson, but you know, I, I, unfortunately I feel like the sport never learns. 
Yeah. Well, Neil Young, the referee, haven't really heard much of him in the past. Texas referee, I looked through his box rec. You know, I don't think he's done a lot of high-stakes fights. He's kind of been in the shadows of the Texas State Athletic Commission, which has been a spotty commission uh, by and large. Uh, fortunately, he was the only referee at the culprit of some bad calls last night. We had uh, surprisingly good calls by Lawrence Cole in the Eduardo Ramirez fight when he uh, stopped it immediately after he got up. Uh, he also did the right call in the Fundora Ahmed fight where he uh, prevented Ahmed from taking more unnecessary punishment. Uh, but yeah, as, as you mentioned earlier, Fundora is just a fun attraction to watch. He overpowered his opponent, a late substitute, but an, an opponent from, from the get-go. And uh, basically, you're a sitting duck for Fundora unless you can keep him off the front foot. That's the way I gather him. Yeah, that guy. I mean, Fundora, you know, it's so wild to me that that guy is so willing just to mix it up in the inside. It's such it's six foot six, you know. Just pump that jab, keep your opponent out all day. But he started the whole match open with like what an uppercut, and it landed. Yeah. So the minute I saw that uppercut land, I was like, man, it's a wrap. <laughs> That's all I needed to see. You know, I, I remember this kid growing up. He was another like Teofimo Lopez, another young fighter that I grew up with in the amateurs, a little bit younger than I was. But you know, he was the five foot ten at the time, ninety pounder back in the day, extremely tall, lanky. Uh, really took him a while to develop basic fundamentals in there. He was very awkward and not really all that great in the beginning. But right now it looks like he's rapidly learning how to make his freakish physicality into an instrumentable reality for the 154-pound division. And in very unorthodox ways, like you mentioned, the fact that he's so aggressive, uh, that he throws uh, looping uppercuts and hooks when really all he needs to do at that height, six foot six, is <laughs> keep his opponent at the end of a jab. He could really be like a freakishly taller Tommy Hearns, you know, pump that jab, throw that, you know, that cross and, you know, just could collect the checks. I love his humility as well. Uh, in the post-fight interview, he's just like, you know, my birthday's coming up. I just want to go celebrate it. Christmas <laughs> is around the corner. And it just seems like a fun young kid still learning the game. But you could tell last night's performance, you know, his boxing prowess, like you said, uh, is rapidly increasing. He, I saw him uh, – switch angles at some point and i was like man he could end the fight right now but then he did he didn't throw any punches he he he, he took a pivot switched the angle but then just kind of stood there in front of ahmed uh but you know if he continues on this track man he's gonna be a headliner for sure i'm so excited for this kid's career yeah i mean naturally when you see someone that tall you think you know how is he gonna take it to the body how is he gonna take it upstairs you know granted someone could reach him up there uh, there's a lot of big punchers at 154. You know, of course, you have Jermel Charlo, you have Erickson Lubin. Uh, you know, it's going to be interesting seeing him take punches from top-level opposition at 154. And I think the, the PBC commentary team was right in saying, you know, you know, he's on the right track towards a title, but not right now. Give him a few more fights. I, I still think he has some progression to do. Uh, originally, he was supposed to fight Jorge Cota last night, which might have been a better test for him, might have not. Uh, I, I still think there's uh, a, a little more progression to go, but, you know, he's extremely fun to watch. Just his size alone makes him uh, an attraction in and of itself. And, yeah, he's still a kid. <laughs> he's still having fun in there. Yeah, it's still fairly young. And I could tell, um, I, and maybe, you know, I, I could be wrong. I Just looking at his build, he's coming into his, like, I guess his man strength now, right, uh, comparatively to his past couple of fights. And it also makes me wonder how long he's going to be able to continue fighting at this weight 
but he just seemed fuller when uh, in the ring with Ahmed. So, which I was just like, man, this kid is just so big for this weight division. But like you said, you know, he's still young, still has a little bit more progression to go before he's with that top tier talent. But when he does get there, man, I'm just waiting to see what they unleash. Yeah, we will see. Uh, Sebastian Fundora, the Towering Inferno, couldn't ask for a better nickname for him, gets the stoppage win. Uh, that was in the co-feature. Of course, the main event, we had Earl Spence coming back for the first time in well over a year, fighting Danny Garcia, more than worthy opponent. Uh, Danny Garcia had his spots, landed some good counter punches, uh, fought the kind of fight a lot of people were expecting him to fight, and like a lot of people were expecting wasn't going to be enough. Uh I, I guess the, the big surprise was the fact that Spence didn't really look like he lost too much from the horrendous, horrific car accident. Uh, he was able to take the punches pretty well. His reflexes looked sharp. Uh, some people thought he looked exactly the same. What did you think? I was really surprised by his performance. You know, good on him for uh, coming back from that horrendous accident. He, you know, his defense was there. I always thought whenever he pulled back, like stepping out away from Garcia, that he left himself a little too open. But, yeah. you know, that's something that he, he'll probably fix by the next camp. Uh, but, man, his aggression last night, woof. I was wondering if he was – and, I mean, he took Danny Garcia. They all, they went to the very end. But I was waiting to see if Danny Garcia was either going to – how he was going to react. By the yeah. championship rounds, uh, his counterpunching for Danny Garcia was definitely there. But I'm surprised to see that, you know – Spence, there were times like in the ninth round where he just kind of backed off. And I was kind of curious as to what what was going through his mind when he did that. Yeah, What do you think that was? Do you think that was uh, lapses in energy, focus, both? It was confusing because there was a few rounds in a row where it looked like he was pretty vulnerable or, or at least he was taking them off. Yeah, you know, maybe that was just a tactical decision on his end. But also, like you said, like, was he just trying to recover physically? Uh, maybe he put the gas on just a little bit too early in the middle rounds. So a little bit later and then follow up and finish strong in the end. Uh, I mean, he tweeted out this morning that he's going to hire a go back to with his strength and conditioning coach. So it makes me mm. wonder what he's trying to do this all on his own. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, his chin and his reflexes looked fine. You know, I noted that he, he still does. He still is a little bit awkward on his feet. Sometimes he gets a little crossed up like he was against Sean Porter. He has this bad habit where he likes to reach in with a the body and then kind of just try to jerk his head pull his head back out of the way Danny Garcia was a little too quick to allow Spence to get away with that he caught him with plenty of right hand counters stunned him a little bit at times but wasn't able to change the momentum of the fight with it do you think that could uh, be to Spence's peril if he fights a guy like Terrence Crawford in the near future I think definitely for sure uh and, and, and it makes me wonder, like, why is he doing that, uh, especially when he knows that he doesn't need to? Yeah. Uh, he has a very strong jab. He knows his, he has good head movement, great defense, even fighting on the inside. And he's a dog. Like, he'll take you on. The, he'll fight on the inside. There are times where Spence has admitted, like, yo, I can box, but it's yeah. just not as fun. Right. <laughs> I'm, I'm always in for a fight. I, I think he's I think he's at his best on the inside when he's when he's working, when he's uh you know, banging the body in close. I think at that mid-range, he makes a lot of these bad habits that really worry me against against guys like Crawford in particular. It, yeah, it just makes me wonder, like, what's the reason behind it when he doesn't need to do that? Yeah. Um, and so, I mean, I wish I could be inside his mind just to figure it out, but yeah, I'm, I'm not. So it just, but it does make me curious. Like Crawford, him, let's say next fight, couple of months in 2021, if he does continue making, you know, practicing those bad habits, 
will it cost him? Yeah, I, honestly, I'll, I, I think it will, to be honest. I, <laughs> I think I, after last night, I think Crawford does win the fight. And I guess I'm a little bold in saying that. Uh, but, you know, if, if I was in Spence's camp, and it's probably not hard to do this given the plethora of guys at PBC, but I'd want a, a fight or two before I take on Crawford, you know, just to kind of iron out some of those kinks last night. I mean, Spence gave himself a B uh, for his performance. Um, you know, he can fight a guy like Ugas next. But fighting Crawford right away, I think there's still a little work to do. And, and maybe that is who he is. I mean, Spence, it's not like this. some of these habits recently developed last night. I mean, we saw we saw lapses against Sean Porter. Sean Porter went at a lot of big shots. You know, we saw Cal Brook get off a lot of big shots against Earl Spence. Uh, Spence is not foolproof, uh, but he's extremely uh, good in his workmanlike nature. He almost reminds me of a little less solid version of Marvin Hagler almost. That's a very fair, I think, comparison right there. Yeah. And like you said, you know, he's not 100% bulletproof, right? Like he does get caught. And I wonder how much of that is like in a risk assessment. Uh, just like I, you know, I felt their power. I could I could loosen up a little bit. I can take a couple punches to dish them out. But yeah. I guess the guy as dangerous as Terrence Crawford, who is methodical in both Southpaw and Orthodox stance. I'm like, ooh, that might not be the guy you want to be, you know, continuing with these bad habits with. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I got the same impression. I, I thought uh, Spence just sometimes looks clumsy on his feet. Uh, and I don't think he needs to. And I, I think um, I think he's going to have to get ahead of that bad habit if he fights a guy like Crawford soon, who was in attendance last night. But unfortunately for the fans and for, for the promoters, didn't engage in any WWE-style festivities after the fight, <laughs> which would have uh, helped that promotion on the way. I was really just looking forward for Crawford just to jump in the ring and be like, all right, hey, I'm here now. And <laughs> yeah, none. I was, that, that part disappointed me. Yeah, he was on his phone the whole time. I, I didn't understand what he, was, what he was texting or tweeting about or whatever, but you know, he had business to do. <laughs> yeah, age of technology, how it's changed the game, I guess. Yeah. I, I, I appreciated that PBC uh, for once was advertising a potential Crawford-Spence fight. Uh, I've seen telecast before where they didn't even include Crawford in the list of top 147 pound fighters that Spence could take on. Not last night. They called out the fight by name. Uh, they talked about how great of a fight it would be. And I really hope we get to see it, especially with Crawford uh, looming towards the end of his commitment with top rank. Uh, when that will occur, I'm not hundred percent sure, but you know, it can't be soon enough for a lot of us boxing fans. Yeah. If, if, if this fight never happens, it's going to be one, you know, the fight, one of the fights that we'll look back on and just be like, that was just a waste. You know, that was this opportunity. Absolutely. It'd be a shame. <laughs> It'd be a shame. And, uh, you know, I think both guys definitely want the fight. Uh, both guys are probably a little too prideful to openly admit that they're chasing this fight. I mean, Spence kind of acted uh, above it when he was asked about a Crawford fight. You know, he wanted to spend time with his kids, think about other things. Uh, neither guy wants to look like they're chasing this fight, but let's be honest, both guys need each other. They're each other's dance partners in terms of a legacy beyond this generation. If they want to be considered as some of the great welterweights of all time, you know, they need to beat each other. So, yeah, I, uh, I just, you know, it's one of those things that we keep is the fight just keeps seeming to be just quite out of reach. And again, 2021, please be the year to make it make up for this 2020 year.
Yeah, um, I'm kind of in the same camp as Andre Ward as optimistic that this is going to be the year. I, I think, uh, you know, how many guys does Spence have left to beat in the PBC stable? Uh, really just Manny Pacquiao, who's, uh, if you believe Bob Arum, is also a viable opponent for Terrence Crawford, although I'm not so sure. You know, it's getting to the point where it looks like Crawford might become a PBC fighter, might become a free agent, might become uh, not an overly difficult fight to make for PBC and Earl Spence. And let's be honest. I mean, both guys look vulnerable enough in their last fight or two and circumstances involved with Spence's car accident that, you know, if you don't make this fight now, it's kind of like Deontay Wilder and Anthony Joshua a couple years ago. One of these guys might lose, maybe. And one of these guys might get injured like Spence in a, in a irreversible manner. Uh, and the fight might never be what it could have been. Yeah, exactly. I mean, especially with that car accident, like you said, you know, this is the fight that needs to be made. Um, yeah. And just quote, letting it marinate, uh, which, you know, I don't, I don't necessarily think is the situation. Uh, yeah. Which one of them will, you know, something may happen. Another fight may have gone wrong and we, do we miss an opportunity? Uh, so that's something that they need definitely need to be considering, which they probably are considering, right? There's money to be made. This is yeah. The- <laughs> have you have you ever have you ever seen a fight and and thought after you know I'm so happy we let that fight marinate for years. You know <laughs> it wouldn't have been as nearly as great if we didn't let that fight just sit on the table or sit on the grill and marinate for years. I mean, what is this? The idea of marinating blows my mind because I'm like, it's not a meal. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not. It's not. I, I recall Angelo Dundee making the same comment when uh, the Hearns Leonard one fight was in the making. You know, let let this fight let this fight get juicy first. Uh, but but then it happened, and it was one of the big fights of all time and a tremendous event. And and yeah, that 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 notion went out the window. It made his fighter into a a superstar. It just <laughs> it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't equate. Um, and yeah, I mean both of these guys are over thirty now, Spence. 30 years old Crawford 33 maybe with the accident Spence physically is more like 33 as well uh he didn't look uh like he was overly impacted from it last night we saw more or less the same role Spence but you know clock is ticking so only time will tell I suppose but hopefully like you said you know the optimism's there 2021 that's the year we shall hope so (laughs) That about covers this weekend's action. We could have talked about Billy Joe Saunders, but, you know, he won a dominant decision over Martin Murray. You know, what's new? He's not fighting top opposition. He's going to call out Canelo. Might never happen. Who cares? But we got some great opposition and great fights at Arlington, the AT&T Center. Thanks for covering with me, Jeff, and I hope to hear from you soon. Hey, appreciate it. Thank you, Alden. Yep.